welcome back to the Ornithopter Flight Academy. I'm your host, Brendan, joined as always by Josh. Josh, how are we doing today, this evening? Doing pretty good, thanks. Today, this evening, I'm doing good with the words already. Words are oh, hard. Words are hard. Um, so what's new, man? You've been playing some Magic? I have only played a couple of Commander games recently. Have you drafted that much of the new set yet? No, every draft has been filled up. Uh, down at the shop, so I've not gotten to draft much of it. Okay. Yeah, I've been meaning to do some drafts online. I did one draft online, I think, and uh, I did okay. I did uh, best of one draft of Magic Online the first week, and just haven't had a chance to jump on Arena and do it quite yet. Nothing, I don't know. Nothing's really stuck out yet. I really um, do like those best ones. I think they're really cool. Yeah, I really like an arena too because you draft against a bot, and like it's not the best practice, but just from like a time standpoint, like I can do a draft and hang out with my kid while we watch Miss Rachel or whatever bullcrap we're watching at the time. <laughs> What's wrong with Miss Rachel? Miss Rachel sings a lot of the same songs over and over and over again. So now I can sing those songs. But it is educational. I'm like, I'm like I'm a fan of the concept of the show. It just gets annoying. We'll put it that way. It's no Bluey. Okay, Bluey's king. Or queen, I guess. Whatever. Uh, I've been testing some Pioneer lately. Playing uh, Red Black Midrange. Testing for an RCQ. I get to go play Paper Magic next week. I'm pretty excited about that. So, it's... Uh, yeah, I think Rakdos midrange is super, super strong. If you guys, it's Pioneer season now. You probably should just play that, play that deck. I think into an empty field, that's the best deck. I'm pretty sure. Or into an unknown field, I should say. I agree. I think the deck's really good. So, um, this weekend, though, Pioneer won't be watched. It's all going to be standard. And limited, because we have a pro tour coming up. Um, kind of out of nowhere. And it's really weird. There's a couple really weird things about Minneapolis. About the pro tour going on. It's a standard pro tour. And everyone else, unless you like play an arena and you're grinding or whatever. And there's people, and standards in a good spot. It's really fun. So there's still some people that play. Um, but it is not getting played nearly as much as it was two months ago, now that the RCs are done. Second off, as we're going to talk about today, March of the Machine Aftermath comes out um, on the 12th. So that'll be the weekend after the Pro Tour. So we're not going to have any high-level competitive event with quote-unquote full standard before rotation. I don't believe unless there's some event I am unaware of. But I like the following Pro Tour, I don't think it's going to be standard. Pretty sure it'll be Pioneer. So Yeah, I, I think they're supposed to go back to Pioneer after that, and then, uh, then it'll be modern. Uh, it'll be modern in the fall. So it's kind of weird, but um, it is cool to see on Twitter, you know, like the uh, Team Handshake uh, getting together, and then you have Team Channel Fireball, which is just like the most stacked team of Magic players of all times. Uh, 
like I'm just uh like when Gucci was post- posting a couple pictures of who's all there. It's like him, LSV, like so like everyone that writes for Channel Fireball. Um and then let's see, who else? Um uh Gabriel Nassif. Oh, there's like three Hall of Famers. I don't yeah, know. Nassif's pretty good. Yeah, it was it was nuts, man. Like all sitting talking draft strategies for hours. Like that's what they were doing. Numbering their picks and stuff. I would kill to be a fly in the wall. To learn like ten percent of what's going on in there. Be so much better at this game. So I know all the listeners might not like competitive magic as much as I do. Um, and as much as I'm a fan of the game, I'm really a fan of it in the sense of it being like a competitive sport. Uh, I think the there's a lot of really cool personalities. You know, you and I were talking before the show about LSV. Um, there's a really cool video. I'll try to remember to link it in the show notes. And it talks about how LSV won a tournament without the ability to win any games because he forgot to put his finisher of his combo deck in the deck and everyone just assumed he had it because he's LSV and they conceded to him as he comboed off. Um, not only not only that, but uh, the way that he... Because uh, he didn't even realize he didn't have his tendrils on the board until after a couple of rounds into the tournament. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then after that, it. what he would do is he was playing a storm deck, and so he would cast a bunch of spells, and then he'd cast Burning Wish, which goes to get it out of the sideboard, and he'd say, I play Burning Wish with, you know, 10 mana floating and, you know, 11 spells cast for the turn. Indicating he's going to go get tendrils without actually saying he's going to go get tendrils. Yeah, that is uh, you couldn't do smart. that. Oh yeah, you can't do that anymore. Open deck lists. Yeah, open deck lists kind of ruin that. <laughs> Imagine sitting across from LSV and you're looking at this deck list and you're like, "How does he kill me?" Well, yeah, you know, clearly I, I I got something wrong here. Right, right. <laughs> like you just like you just assume you messed up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know I look at his deck list. It has no win condition, and I go, man, I'm really bad at this game. What? Why can't I see the win condition? It's here. I know it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, LSV doesn't do things like make human mistakes, like mess up his deck before he gets to attorney. Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'll try to link that below. It's a really good video. Uh, who did the video? I haven't watched that guy before. Uh, I, I haven't either. It actually it popped up on my uh, my YouTube thing. Hold on, and I will give the proper credits. Yeah. Since we're talking about his video, it was... And now I can't find it. Hold on. Let me pull the link I sent you up. It is Ski Freak. S-K-I Freak. Okay. And he did a he did a five minute video. It's called the greatest bluff in MTG history, and I don't know if it's the greatest bluff, but if it's not, it's got to be up there. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't. Know. He has some pretty cool moments. Uh, the settle the wreckage moments. One of my favorite magic moments of all time. Uh, yeah. That that, that, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. That, that is like, one of my favorite moments of all time. Yeah. For sure. Um. Uh. On a side note, uh, Eric Froelich, who I do believe is a Hall of Famer, better known as Efro, who doesn't play anymore. I'm pretty sure his wife works for Wizards of the Coast. He's a professional poker player. He's a bracelet winner at the World Series of Poker. Um, he made a post on Twitter today. He's been working on losing weight, and uh, he's lost like a f- fairly significant amount. 
this year doing good, but found out he's having uh, some pretty big heart problems and stuff that he needs to get addressed. Um, so thoughts out to him for that. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. He uh, He's uh, pretty well known. I lived out in Vegas. Uh, I played with his old roommate quite a bit. Super solid guy. So I hope that all goes well for him. All right. So today, we are talking March of the Machine after the Aftermath. I guess we can start off by talking about what the Aftermath is. Um, if you want a good explanation, uh, go to the Magic website and Mark Rosewater breaks it all down. But essentially, it's them wrapping up loose ends with more cards um, to see how things... to, to fill up some storylines to kind of... Yeah, it's not draftable. Each pack is five cards. There's only 50 cards in the set. So I guess you could have a whole conversation. There's no commons as well in the set, which is weird. Um, yep, only uncommons and up. And so... Which is weird, but I mean, the set does come in five-card packs, so... Right. It is interesting to... I think it'll be interesting to see how prices are. I've heard really mixed responses on a lot of things. I have uh, seen the prices of the um, the you know the price from distributor for the boxes. Uh, mm -hmm. The prices should be somewhere in the neighborhood of Jumpstart prices. Uh, so like Jumpstart and Jumpstart Twenty Two. Um, most likely, whatever you were paying for those, you should probably be in that same ballpark for the the epilogue boosters. But there are also collector boxes for it, and Jumpstart doesn't have collector boxes. Sure. Like, I saw, I just checked Amazon, and you can buy a box, which is only 24 packs. You can buy a box for $82, which, yep, comes, that out sounds to, about right. which comes out to, like, $3.5 a pack. So, uh, I've just seen a lot of people post on Twitter lately. Why would I pay full, you know, the same price for a pack that only has five cards? And it's because you won't, because these ones are cheaper. They are going to be cheaper, but you are going to get less product. However, the idea is is you're going to get weighted product. You're going to get a lot more rares. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of neat, interesting cards. Like I think this set looks pretty cool uh, from a couple different levels. Uh, it's got a few cards in there that uh, I'm, you know, kind of stoked for. I I wasn't sure if the set was going to be standard legal actually at first. It is, by the way. So all these cards are going to be playable wherever, which is nice. Yeah, um, a Saffronal was posting that he thought this set's going to bomb, and he's kind of sad because he likes the idea of this kind of small set interjected into Standard, like as an extra small set. Yeah, he likes the concept and having that space available. And the more I think about it, I think the more I like it too. Um, I like drafting too much. No, I like drafting too. I'm just saying having this additionally. And it's because of drafting, because sets are designed so much for limited, and that is so important to have a good limited format. Like, I'm a big believer in good limited format. But then you don't have to worry about having certain themes for cards, or a card have to have a theme around it. Or you designed this card and it didn't quite fit, or it was maybe a little too good for this limited format, but has a chance to see like fringe constructed play. So you had to cut it from the set. And just to have a spot for these cards to wiggle their way in, I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting space. Magic's been around 30 years. There's only, there's only so much you can do before you just try a little bit of everything. 
So what's your thoughts on it? Excuse me. Uh, like I said, I, I prefer sets uh, that you can draft. I think draft is a huge portion of the game. At least it is for me. So I, I'm not a big fan of this style of set. That doesn't mean that I won't like the cards that come in it. Um, but I, it won't for sure. It won't be one of my favorite sets just because I, I can't draft it or play sealed. Sure. sure. Uh, I mean, I'll still like it more than pretty much any jumpstart that's ever came out though. I think. I agree with that, uh, except I do appreciate the ability to play a game with a couple of jumpstart packs. Uh, that's actually really cool and can help get people started in the game. It's probably the second easiest way to learn how to play the game. Yeah. I agree with that. So I, I, do, I appreciate that portion of it for jumpstart. No, for sure. It exists for a reason. Um, so for you kids at home, we're on the card image gallery on Magic uh, Wizards main page i'll link that below um it goes in color order and uh both of us are pretty excited about this first card it's gonna be interesting because i haven't read all these cards yet so some of these cards will be reading for the first time here and uh there's 50 cards so we're going to talk about all of them uh some of them might be quick and i'll let you kick us off with copper coat vanguard yeah copper coat vanguard's kind of cool it's one and a white for a two two it's a human soldier the soldier and the human both relevant uh, and it says that each other human you control gets plus one oh and ward one um i really like this card i don't know if it's gonna find a home but in modern you know modern humans is a deck and thalia is a card that exists and giving that ward it's very annoying for the opponent i, I feel like it might find a way to slot in uh as just protection for those hate bear humans that get played in those formats not to mention it's a soldier so it could also find a home in standard in the soldiers deck it, it's two mana for a two two like the it's not amazing but it's also not bad uh giving your squad plus one oh is not irrelevant in any sort of deck that cares about having cheap creatures in play to beat your opponent in the face with uh i like it i think it's a good card yeah, I think Pioneer is going to be the biggest spot for this. Modern Horizons 2 kind of killed off humans, which was top dog for a long time in the modern format. But Modern White Humans well, is one of the Don't decks... forget, Esper Sentinel is a card. I mean, Esper Sentinel is a card. I, I know. I, I've owned like seven of them. It's a, it's am, a scary I'm, card to give Ward to in particular. I'm a big fan of uh, the Urza Saga dot deck. Um, but I think... Uh, the mono white humans deck in Pioneer, uh, because certain lists they're running a weird split um, of Screlve. Yeah. Um, or they're running uh, what's the uh, Brave the Elements? There we go. Yep. Um, and so you're kind of on one plan or the other, and no one's figured out what's best, or some of them run a split of them. And so I think this can just fill this that spot. Because, I mean, that deck has enough one-drops. It plays 12 one-drops, so it doesn't need Skrelve. And I think this kind of just slots in right there. And, yeah, like, it's a, it's a lord for that set. So I think that's immediately where it goes. And I think it sees a decent amount of play. And the cool thing is it's an uncommon. So we will see. You don't have to open a lot of packs to get this card. Um, 
Oh, and soldiers, like half those cards don't ro rotate from standard, and a lot of those are human. So I think that might be, like you said, that's going to be relevant in uh, the standard format as well. Maybe the soldiers deck takes like a human hybrid. So we will see. Uh, I'll take our next card. I haven't uh, read this one before. The art is pretty frickin' sweet on it, though. Uh, it's Deification. It's one in a white for an enchantment. It says, as Deification enters the battlefield, choose a Planeswalker type. Planeswalkers you control, the chosen type, have Hexproof. As long as you control a creature, if damage dealt to a Planeswalker, you control the chosen type, would result in all loyalty counters on it being removed. Instead, uh, instead all but one of the, those counters are removed. It's cool. Um, what what's your thoughts on this? Like, I feel like this is a commander card, which is much more up your alley. I mean, it is kind of a commander card. It gives you a way to play planeswalkers and commander without them just getting murderated all the time. Uh, it is a worship style effect uh, that is going to keep your planeswalker alive as long as you control a creature so this is going to be a card that you play alongside insanely hard to remove creatures and you, then your planeswalker just gets to live for forever uh, which is really cool uh, especially on big nasty planeswalkers like some of the boluses or ugin or you know karn uh, a lot of those planeswalkers like karn's plus ability is really strong if they can't ever kill the thing um, right. Same with some of the Nickel Bolus abilities, uh, and if you can make your uh, big nasty Planeswalker effectively unkillable, and remember it gives them Hexproof too, so you know you can't just target it and destroy it, it's going to be hard to uh, to get it off the board. You have to get all their creatures off the board first, then you have to deal with a Planeswalker, or you have to deal with this enchantment, and then you have to deal with a Planeswalker. So people are going to like this card a lot. I don't think it's particularly amazing, but it looks fun. Also, it notable, it specifically says Planeswalkers you control of the chosen type, which means, you know, you can play your Gideon tribal deck. Right. Gideon would be good, too, because, like, one of the Gideons makes a creature, like, indestructible and hexproof or something like that, right? Yeah. So you just constantly, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about this art, though, because it's Elspeth with Elishnorn's, like, helmet slash head at her feet being worshipped being like kind of turned into a god on Theros. That's kind of sweet. Elspeth gets her revenge. Yup. Uh, take us to our next one. Uh, the next one's uncommon. It's a harness snub horn. It is 3 and 8 for 2-5 with vigilance. It says whenever it hits a player, you get to return an artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield, which is pretty cool. Uh, we've seen lots of effects like this. The creature's slow, doesn't have any uh, evasion uh, to speak of. It does have a big butt, but uh, not particularly amazing, but could be a fun card if you want that sort of effect where you can uh, pitch a, a big nasty artifact or enchantment and then suck it back to play. I don't think there's too much to say about that one. Yeah, no. It would be draft chap if we could draft it. Um, Metropolis Reformer is two and a white for an Angel Cleric, two, three with Flying and Vigilance. It says you have Hexproof. And when Metropolis Reformer is dealt damage, you gain that much life. Uh, Green White Angels is constantly a deck that's borderline um, tier one, to, somewhere between tier three and tier one at all times in Pioneer. 
um, and explored, obviously. So, it's kind of exciting. This one um, gives you hexproof and gains you life, but it's also uh, a collected company target, and that's a big thing for that deck. So it's another good collected company target. I haven't played the deck a whole lot, so I don't know how much room it has. Um, solid stats. I don't know how relevant... I mean, you have Hexproof is pretty relevant and standard right now because Invoke Despairs everywhere. But I don't know how relevant it is outside of that. Um, any thoughts besides that? Nah, it doesn't look too fancy. It's It's a cool angel. It is also a cleric. Um, three mana, two, three flyer, vigilance. Meh. Giving you hexproof is kind of neat. That shuts off things like, you know, thought seize effects and, and stuff like that, which is cool. Um, probably, honestly, this card sees more play in commander than anything else. Just for that, you have hexproof line. I don't, I don't think this is going to fit into the, uh, the angel decks. Maybe as a sideboard card, if there's something very specific they're trying to shut down. Yeah, I mean, I can see it being pretty good against, uh, like, a discard-heavy deck, just because you can collect a company into it yeah. and kind of combat trick with it. So uh, you can take Spark Rupture. Yep, Spark Rupture's two and a white for an enchantment when it comes to play, draw a card. Love that. Uh, each Planeswalker with one or more loyalty uh, counter on it loses all abilities and is a creature with power and toughness equal to the number of loyalty counters on it. So... It is a new way to murder some Planeswalkers, um, and one of the coolest things about it is there doesn't need to be a Planeswalker in play when you play it, because it's an enchantment. It sits in play and shuts off uh, all Planeswalker abilities until you deal with this enchantment. Plus, it replaces itself when you play it. I really like this card. I think this card's really strong. This might see tournament play here and there where Planeswalkers are a problem. I mean, think about how good this would be against Mono Green and Pioneer right now. Think about, I mean, I don't know. You're making Kiora seven seven. You are making some of them pretty large, like, um, but you're sh you're blanking them. Now no, you can sure. also you can also do this the other way, like you just said. You're making Kiora seven seven. You can play this with a couple of those planeswalkers that come into play with massive numbers of counters, and, and use this to turn them into giant creatures. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Like it's cute. Um, like you said, it might see some sideboard play. Definitely. For all those people on Reddit, or all those people on Magic Online, that in their uh, descriptions for the game they want for Commander, they say no Planeswalkers, this set's for you guys. This one's for you. Um, all the people that complain that Planeswalkers are too good. So, getting some answers. Uh, moving on to Tazari. Stalwart Survivor. It's two and a white. Once again, for a 3-3. Three, three. Legendary creature, human warrior. It says each creature you control has add tap add one mana of add blah, blah, blah. each creature you control has tap add one mana of any of this creature's colors. Spend this mana only to activate an ability of a creature. Activate only if this creature has activated has another activated ability. And then you can play um Wooberg, tap, mill five cards, put all creature cards with activated abilities that aren't mana abilities from among the milled cards into your hand. Uh, yeah, it's a card. It's 
got a, a lot of words. It's a five-color commander that says your creatures can tap to do stuff. It's kind of neat. It's interesting with the companion that cares about activated abilities. Uh, yeah, Lutri. No, not Lutri. The red-white one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name. That reduces the cost of them. Maybe there's something there. I'll let someone smarter than me figure it out and steal their list online, because that's a lot of words. Um, though, coming up with some of the cards we have coming up, I think activated abilities is going to be a big thing in future sets. Like, maybe a theme. Because um, a few cards from now, there's a pretty big activated ability card that makes me think that. Um, now we're on down to blue. Tell us about Filter Out. This seems like your kind of card, Josh. Yeah, I love this card. It's one blue blue for an instant. Return all non-creature, non-land permanents to their owner's hand. Um, so upheaval has always been a powerful effect. Now, granted, upheaval hits lands, and that's a pretty important part of that card. Uh, but a three mana instant uh, bounce everything but creatures and lands can certainly really change the way things go. I mean, it it can rip equipments off of creatures that otherwise, you know, were you know, immune to whatever you were going to do. It can take uh, mid-combo, it can take artifact pieces out of play or enchantment pieces out of play. Um, you can also use this uh, in your favor. Like, say you're playing an Enchantress deck and you have, you know, a bunch of Enchantress-style cards in play, and this will bounce your cheap enchantments back to your hand so you can go crazy redrawing a whole bunch of cards. Uh, these are often powerful effects. The fact that it doesn't hit creatures is going to limit its usefulness, but uh, I do expect to play this here and there in Commander for sure. Um, I don't really know what I would play it in in uh, any other constructed format, uh, but it's strong enough. It might find a spot. Yeah, there's like a part of me. I stare at this card and I just think over and over again. It's it's breakable. I don't know how, and it might not be yet. But there's something there. There's some combo somewhere. That you can well, there's certainly some sort of uh, loops that you can do with this where you bounce back creatures that can pull back instants from your graveyard to your hand. And then, right. you know, things that can generate you mana somehow. I mean, there's definitely, they're probably pretty convoluted, though. But yeah, like, it's a powerful effect. Like, it, it's probably breakable somewhere. I wonder if, uh, what's that blue artifact deck in Vintage? It's what, cast? No, it lets you draw cards. Paradoxical outcome? Oh, yeah, paradoxical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that plays is one of. Probably not. Just because it's double blue. Uh, that deck has, you know, trouble making multiple colors of mana sometimes. I mean, it plays a lot of things like Mana Crypt and Soul Ring and Mana Vault and, you know, off-color Moxes, things like that. And I just don't think it's got the power level there. Um, a lot of them have been playing... Uh, what's that Lotus card? Um, Timeless? No, it's five mana. Uh, taps adds three. Oh, um, Gilded. To, um, no, no, no. When it comes into play, you draw cards. It's a commander card. Oh, um... Coveted Jewel. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here's the biggest problem with this getting played in that deck. If they were going to play that card, they would just play Hercules Recall. And, and they already don't play for main deck Hercules Recall. So 
this doesn't really get in there. Like, they're not returning any enchantments to their hands. They're not returning any Planeswalkers to their hands. Yeah, Hercules fair. Recall is kind of just the same card, but better. Not only fair that, enough. but it's uh, one player targeted, so, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it's cool, though. It's it's powerful. It's cool. It bounces everything but creatures, which, uh, admittedly, is a, you know, big downside. You can't, you know, wipe out the attacking force that's about to murder you with this card. But you might be able to do damage to the attacking force with it by, take, like I said, taking off creature enchants or equips or um, random uh, enchantments that are buffing their board, things like that out of play. Uh, so keep your eyes on it. I think it's a cool card. I think it's going to see commander play, and it might even be sneaking into a constructed deck here and there. Sure. Next, we have Talarian Contempt. It's three and a blue for an enchantment, or three blue blue for an enchantment. It says when Talarian Contempt enters the battlefield, put a rejection counter on each creature your opponent controls at the beginning of your end step. For each opponent, choose up to one target creature that creature uh, that they control with a rejection counter on it. That creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. Uh, this is a super cool card in Commander. Um, you just get to put one of your... You get to constantly mess with your opponent's creatures um, that are in play. And if there's ways to blink this, which it's blue, there's multiple ways to. I don't know how good it is, but it's definitely cool in Commander. Um, it will also probably make you the arch enemy because people don't like their cards being messed with. I, I think it'll have the opposite effect. I think if somebody plays this against me, I'm going to pretend that uh, they don't exist because their cards decks build with bad cards. It's cool, though. The card's terrible. The only cool thing about this card is it puts rejection counters on things, and that sounds neat. <laughs> oh, I... This card is slow. <laughs> really slow. I know. Hey, not everyone plays high-level commander. Okay, I'm just saying. Like in a casual commander game, you're playing mono blue. You know, it's gonna be. It's not cyclonic rift or even close. But it's gonna be a way cheaper than that card. I just think it's a shot there. Uh, dollar wise, yeah, it's gonna be way cheaper than rift. But I mean, it's yeah, also it's on a power level, different like... power level on than rift. Sure, sure, but it does the same job. And you know, when you're playing kitchen table commander with your buddies once a week. Having some brewskis, you know, that's all some people care about. Will I ever cast this card? Probably not. I can't, I don't want to say never, but like the better chance of never is correct. So, yeah, that's all I got there. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next card. This card's cool. It's a reprint. Um, I, I think it's the only reprint in this set, actually. Um, it's Training Grounds. It was originally from Rise of the Eldrazi. It is one blue for an enchantment, and it says activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate. Uh, you can't reduce the cost to less than one, though. Uh, this is combo material all day. Uh, anything that can generate uh, mana, anything that can generate creatures, uh, this, this can go nuts with a lot of different things. Originally, its purpose was to reduce level up costs. Uh, because that's where they originated from in Rise of the Eldrazi. Uh, but we have since found many, many, many ways to break this uh, card and other cards of its ilk. I don't know exactly what will be broken with it this time, but somebody's going to play a Trainings Ground deck, and it'll probably be pretty good. Yeah, and it's uh, also like a $20 card randomly. Wow, is it really that high? Holy yeah, crap. I just I just looked it up. It's like 17 to 20 bucks. Um, 
Yeah. So Well, I'm happy that it's being reprinted because uh it definitely didn't need to have that price tag. I'm pretty sure it was an uncommon in Rise of the Eldrazi. No, it was a rare. Okay, it was a rare. Yep. Um uh, moving on, we have Vesuvian Drifter. Uh it's two in a blue, once again for a two four this time. Uh creature shapeshifter. As flying, it says you may look at the top card of your library at any time. At the beginning of each combat, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you reveal a creature card this way, Vesuvian Drifter becomes a copy of that card until end of turn, except it has flying. Someone's going to put an Emrakul on top of their deck and attack with Annihilator, and it's going to be awesome. And that's about it. Uh, this card's super sweet. Like, it's a fun card. I don't know how good... It, I know how good it is. It's not. I want to pretend it has a chance, but it doesn't. Um, but, you know, it's a neat card. I think it'll be fun in Commander. I think in various formats it's going to be fun to try. Probably unsuccessfully, but you'll get to do the thing one time, and that will be fun. Uh, don't underestimate this card with the new um, uh, Hidesku and Kairi. Ah, uh, yeah, because you can reorder your... Correct. You can move stuff around. So instead of going for weird one-shot combos with that, uh, you might actually be setting up this card to, say, swing with a Galta and Mabrin or an Atali or whatever big... Well, I guess Atali's a bad one because you won't get the ETB, but, yeah, you know, uh, I think it's got a little bit of potential. Um, even just looking at the top card of your library whenever you want, it's an underratedly powerful effect. You know I mean, two four is kind of a big butt. You know where this card's gonna be really cool. This is ah uh, yeah, <laughs> like like I'll like play this in cube. Yeah, like uh, and it, it, you'd pick it up and maybe you just play it as a flyer that sometimes does something, or maybe you're like you take the storm approach and you're like, no, I'm trying to get channel and Emrakul, and this is my backup plan. I like it. I mean, <laughs> I wish Brainstorm wasn't banned like everywhere because this would be so fun with Brainstorm in a fair way. <laughs> Quote unquote fair way. Jason Mind Sculptor is legal in a lot of places. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's a 3 4, you know, that's not too terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's modern, so you have to play yeah. a 3 drop and then untap and play Jace the Mind Sculptor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Play, play a Jace the Mind Sculptor, which gets, you know, bolted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's neat. I, I like it. Uh, keep your eyes on it. It's kind of cool. Somebody somewhere, please make a Hadesku and Kyrie deck with this and uh, make it awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next card, we're actually moving into the black cards. Remember, there's just not that many cards, so we're already. Uh, two colors down is Ayara's Oathsworn. It is a one and a black, two, two human knight has menace. And it says whenever it deals combat damage to a player, if um, if it has fewer than four one, one counters on it, put a one, one counter on it. Then if it has exactly four one, one counters on it, search your library for a card and put it in your hand, then shuffle. So it's a two, two menace for two. It's a knight. It's also a human. Uh, those are all pluses. Uh, it gets bigger every time it hits your opponent. That's a plus. And if somehow you can hit your opponent four times with this, uh, it's also a demonic tutor. Is it amazing? No. Is it solid? Yeah, I think it's pretty solid. 
it's another cool cube card. Well, yes and no. I'm assuming you think it's a cool cube card because of the uh, the demonic. I think yeah. If there's some, uh, well, it's because of the demonic. But obviously, if this is in there, there is some counters matters thing that I think you know what I mean. Where you can, it's not good if you have to hit your opponent three times in cube. But if there's effects that let you put counters on things, or maybe you give it undying or something, I don't know. I so, I I think the I'm not, saying, um, I'm not saying vintage cube. I'm just saying no. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you there. The demonic tutor portion of it, I think for the most part, when you read this card, you should pretend it's not there because I really think only in commander are you ever going to get to activate that. You have to do fourteen damage with this card before you get to demonic tutor. Yeah. That's that I mean that's a significant portion of somebody's health total before you can actually use the demonic. I actually kind of like the card though just as a 2-2 menace that gets bigger. Like I I don't think that it's a bad card. I think that that extra line of uh text is something a lot of people are going to get excited about and it's going to be hard to do that. Yeah, no, and I mean uh take a format like Pioneer, you know, the Mono black deck's been kind of close-ish for a while. You know, maybe this is the two-drop they needed. Menace is relevant. You get to get a 3-3, three, three, then a 4-4, four, four, and then uh, just kind of snowballs from there. The biggest downside gets... to it is I don't know if it's better than Misery Shadow. That is true. Um... It's permanently larger, and it has Menace. That's cool. But, it, you know, it's not variable. doesn't have the graveyard hate, you know. But it's a neat card. Try it out. Like I don't think it's a bad card at all. Agreed. And Moving it's a knight. A knight. And a human. Both relevant. Uh, moving on. We got another uncommon. Two and a black. Blot out. It's an instant. It says target opponent exiles a creature or planeswalker they control with the greatest manu- mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control. Uh, yeah, it's a bad removal spell. I have only one good thing to say about this card. That is- it it targets without targeting. Yeah. It, it can kill things that you could have otherwise not targeted, and it's not just they sack a creature where they if they have fodder around that they get to keep it. So that that's the only upside to this otherwise very generic three mana removal spell. It exiles. So it, it kill, does. You can kill Blightsteel Colossus with it. Yes, you can. Unless they, you know, play a polar kraken. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, the, next level. The next card on this list is uh Death Rattle Oni, six and a black for a five four. Demon Spirit, it's got flash. Costs two less for each creature that died this turn. When it comes into play, destroy everything that was dealt damage uh this turn. Destroy all other creatures that were dealt damage this turn. So Ideally, the way you play this card is you got a big board of creatures, they got a big board of creatures, you swing in with your stuff, maybe get a little bit of damage through, maybe kill one or two things, then this thing's going to cost you one or maybe three mana to play, comes down as a 5-4, kills all their board, and you're left with a big creature. I don't think there's a lot to say about this card, it's not very good, Uh, it is a combat trick, Uh, you can certainly use this to swing a board, but it requires a very specific board state for it to do its thing. Yeah, 
uh, I think also the reverse of that, you can play this card defensively. I almost think that's yeah. better. You yeah. block with a couple guys in a turn, mess up the crackback math, flash in a 5-4 too. So, yeah, it's a card. This is uh, a card I'd play if it were uh, draftable. Yeah, this card would be really good in draft. Yeah, it would. Uh, Markov Baron. Two and a black for a 2-2 two, two Vampire Noble with Convoke. Uh, lifelink. It says other vampires you control get plus one, plus one. And it has madness for two and a black, which is if you would discard this card, discard it into exile when you do cast it for its madness cost or put it into your graveyard. Um, it's interesting. Blood Tide Harvester is a card that makes a tre- uh, blood token that lets you discard stuff. So you get some value there. Fable of Mirror Breaker is a card in standard and pioneer. And, um, uh, Vampires has been kind of close-ish for a while in Pioneer. So maybe maybe this gives it a little bump. Maybe it becomes like a tier 2 or 3 deck. Becomes a thing. Um, I don't know. As Convoke has a lot of abilities on it. I think it's cool. I don't know how good it is. Yeah, I don't think it's good. But it does say other vampires you control get 1-1. And man, do people love their lords. Yeah. And I mean, like you can play this on turn 2 if you have a 1-drop vampire. Or one drop creature in general, I guess. So you cannot convoke the madness cost, right? That is you, actually kind of, if you can convoke you can. the madness cost. So if you discard you this, you can it says tap. You, uh, you cast it for its madness cost, and convoke says you can. Uh, your creatures can help cast the spell. So. That's interesting. Okay. I was going to say, because it's a little more interesting if I can pitch this card to something and then tap, you know, two or three creatures and and get it into play. I still don't think that makes it particularly good, but it makes it a lot cooler. It does. Especially, like, this is neat combat trick stuff. Because you can pitch it and pump your vampires and... Yeah, and, and vampires already have a, a pretty heavy discard theme anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in black. It's it's not that hard. So, well, vampires in particular have a bunch of cards that pitch cards. There's several madness vampires. So, actually, maybe it's a little better than I thought. I still think it's probably uh, a more casual card than than tournament worthy card, but. Uh, it is kind of neat. I I, well, I actually didn't think you could cast it with Convoke on Madness, but I, it does make sense. So, yeah. Uh, uh, the next card is Urborg Scavengers. It is two and a black for a two-two Spirit. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, exile a card from a graveyard. Put a one-one counter on it. It has flying as long as uh, it exiled something with flying. The same is true for First Strike. Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance. Uh, in other words, it eats creatures from graveyards, although it can target non-creatures if you need to, and when it eats creatures that have abilities, it gets those abilities. So it's like a Voltron-style card. You play this down early, you start eating things with abilities, probably ones with evasion abilities, and it just keeps getting bigger and scarier every time you do it. Yeah, it's like uh, Graveyard Trespasser and Soul Flare. Had a baby. A little bit, yeah. Uh, again, right. this is another one of those cards that, like, it's fine. Like, I, I could see playing it, again, probably in Commander. Um, don't think it's a 
really a high power level, but it's kind of neat. And I've always liked these kinds of cards. Uh, way back with uh, Cairn Wanderer from the uh, Lorewind block, you know, was, you know, we've had cards like this that eight cards from graveyards and then gain their abilities. It's kind of neat. Yeah. And so in uh, Pioneer currently, there's the Neoform Atraxa deck. And there's kind of two camps on that deck. There's the, you know, just Neoform uh, Traxa with Tassiger and Hootie Mandrels. But some of them play Soul Flare. And they also play, like, uh, the big dinosaur. The, what is it, like, the seven mana with two white as double strike indestructible. It has all the, all the abilities. Yeah, Zepultra uh, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's it's a dinosaur, not a dragon. Anyways, I think maybe this card could pop into there if that deck picks up if that version of the deck picks up some traction. Maybe this gives it a little bit of redundancy, um, where it's you know you don't have to have five cards in your graveyard to cast this. You just need one to make it good. So, um, and it's interesting. It grows every turn. Um, And you don't have to exile a card. If there's no cards to exile, whenever it attacks, it just gets a plus one, plus one counter. So, I mean, it comes into play, it's a 3-3. Three, three. And then every time it attacks, it gets bigger. So, yeah. maybe this is better than Graveyard Trespasser? I don't think so. No? No, the Graveyard Trespasser is way more aggressive. Uh, I mean, this is a 3-3 three, three that swings its first turn for a 4-4. Four, four. So, it does swing as a 4-4 on the first turn, uh, but it's swinging as a 4-4 that probably doesn't have any abilities. Sure. Most of the time, you're not going to, early in the game, be able to eat anything of relevance. Now, you can craft your deck to um, eat your own cards from the graveyard. You know, things with lifelink, things with first strike flying, etc., uh, but then you're also losing out on the graveyard value of it where you can't hit your opponent's cards. Like, I think the card's fine. I just don't think it's uh, as good as Graveyard Trespasser, which eats the cards, which is what you want it to do. It gets in there. It gets bigger. Um, uh, it's hard to remove. Like, this card doesn't get protection, notably. Like, you can't eat something with lots of protections and make it, like, immortal. It can get indestructible and hexproof, but... Yeah, um, it doesn't have ward. I mean, that's probably that's probably the big outlier there. That yeah, the the ward on trespasser is huge. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, moving on. The coolest card in this set, without reading the text. If you just look at the art, it is awesome. It is Arnie Metalbrow. It's two and a red for a three three legendary creature, human berserker. Uh, it says whenever a creature you control attacks or a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one in a red. If you do, you may put a creature card with mana value less than that creature's mana value from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Uh, notably, enters the battlefield under your control, attacking. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, otherwise there'd be some real yeah, combo yeah. potential there. Um... I don't know. This is very interesting. Uh, so the reason I like the card is because this dude headbutted an Eldrazi and has the or not Eldrazi a Frexian and has the Frexian's horn stuck in his head. That is what the art is: is a Viking 
with a Phyrexian Horden coming out of his head, and he's pointing at it, and it's freaking sweet. Uh, as far as the ability goes, it's actually pretty cool. I mean, like, this is definitely more of, like, a commander card. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But just putting things into play randomly. Um, I'm trying to think uh, if there's any, like, zero-drop creatures you want to cheat into play. Like, Asmo, you can cheat into play with this, technically, when you attack with it. Um, you can... I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Do you think this is 60-card play or commander only? Uh, I don't think this is going to see 60-card play because the uh, the restrictions on it are, are a little too heavy. Uh, so you have to be attacking with something or putting a token into play that has a casting cost on it uh, for this to be worthwhile. Uh, basically, that, that one in a red needs to be mana neutral or positive for it to be a good card. And that's a little too many things to ask for. Like, you need to play this three mana, three, three. It needs to live. You need to attack with something that costs at least three. It costs three, uh, but preferably something that costs four or more. And then you start getting value from it. Like, that's too many things to go right. Like, don't forget, your opponent is also playing this game and is not going to let you just do whatever you want. And it's no fun. But like in Commander, that. those kinds of things can happen a lot more frequently. And I could easily, you know, see somebody is swinging with a, a six or a seven drop and then dropping a, a six drop into play. And you're going, wait, what? Oh, and it's attacking? Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, so. Still going to be one of my favorite cards from the set. It looks sweet. Card's cool. It's going to be fun to play with. Yeah, the card's in. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, Colagon Warmonger, two in a red for a 3-2 with haste. Combos with Arnie. Um, whenever Colagon Warmonger attacks, uh, Warmonger attacks, look at the top six of your library. You can reveal a dragon card from among them, put it in your hand, put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Uh, I don't know if the dragon's deck in standard is a real thing, but I want it to be. And if it is, this is going to be great in that deck because... It's a three mana three two haste that draws your card probably every turn. Prediction: I think we go to Tarkir next year. I think that's one of the sets we go to. That'd be uh, cool. There, there's a card we're gonna get to with the multicolor that has to do with dragons. There's a lot of kind of dragony things going on, so I definitely think uh, it's a plane we haven't been back to. A lot of people really liked it. Um, so yeah, I think that's where we could be going next. Uh, I think it has potential. It's a solid card. Like I said, it's a 3-mana, three 3-2 three haster, which is fine. Um, and a 3-mana, three 3-2 three haster that draws you a card. That seems playable. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, moving on. Plarg and Nasari. 3-red-red for a 5-4 Orc Efreet. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. An opponent chooses a non-land card exiled this way. You may cast up to two spells from among the other cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. Uh, this is the commander card. It's a multiplayer thing. Um, it's neat. People will play it. Uh, I don't know. Atali's fun, so I imagine this is along the same lines. That's about all I got. Uh, this card's amazing in Commander, and it's terrible in two-player magic. In two-player magic, you can only cast one card, and it's of your opponent's choice, and it's random off of both of your decks. Um, in Commander, though, you're casting two cards every turn, and also the general 
cost and power of the cards you're casting is going to be a lot higher. So this is sweet and commander. It, it's really just a commander card. Agreed. I know you're excited about the next card. Yeah, I, this was the card that stood out to me when I saw the spoilers for the set. The next card is Reckless Handling. It's one in red for a sorcery. It says, search your library for an artifact, put it in your hand, shuffle, and then discard a card at random. If an artifact was discarded in this way, it deals two damage to each opponent. It is very similar to a two-mana gamble. Now, it does only hit artifacts, but tutor cards, especially tutor cards in red, are rare. Yeah, don't have a lot of options when it comes to searching in your deck uh, in red. You've got a couple of goblins that can do it. You've got like Wild Research, which is actually Jeskai colors, and you've got Gamble. So this is a really cool effect, and I absolutely think it's going to see a whole bunch of commander play. Again, I don't know if this is really a constructed card, because most places that you would want to play this, you just have access to Gamble anyway, which is just a better card in general. Uh, but it is really neat, and it also has some extra lines of text where it's kind of a burn spell sometimes, which is weird, but it's there. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a way we can reanimate Portal of Phyrexia. If only it wasn't random discard. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is what you get when you get tutors in red. You don't get to uh, <laughs> have all of the choices. For sure. Well, you You just play this, and you play... Uh, I don't know, like, there was that red-white Invoke Justice deck Yeah. Uh, that played red for just, uh, oh, what's the name of the card? Fable. Yep. So maybe you, you play this and Fable's your other way to put it in the graveyard? Uh-huh. It's neat. I like it. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing with this in Commander for sure in a lot of different red decks I have, a lot of different multicolor decks I have too, but. All right, moving on. We got green now. Um, we're kicking it off with Animist's Might, two and a green for a sorcery. Says this spell costs two less to cast if it targets a legendary creature you control. Target creature you control deals damage equal to twice its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. Um, there's been some standard, uh, five color or four color legendary decks running around that are starting to play green. Maybe this slots in here is kind of the removal of choice. Uh, this card seems like it would be really cool and limited, and I'm kind of sad it's not in a limited set. Um, and the art's from the first story that has Nissa in it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a green fight spell. It's a really good green fight spell, but it's a green fight spell. Nothing special. Yeah, green cares about legendary creatures, and in that deck, this is a... Uh one green fight spell, which is pretty cool. It's a sorcery, which limits it a bit, but it is a decent fight spell in uh, green decks that have lots of legends. Agreed. The next card on the list is Leyline Immersion. It is three and a green for an aura. It only enchants legendaries. And it says, Enchanted Creature has Ward 2 and Tap to add five mana in any combination of colors. Spend it only to cast spells. It's a weird mana ramp card. It gives one of your legends uh, Ward 2, which is cool, and it generates a truckload of mana over time. It's really not that good of a card, but, I mean, there are certainly situations where, you know, you can untap the creature that it's on multiple times in a turn and just have an absurd amount of mana. So uh, I wouldn't call it, you know, complete garbage, but 
Four mana is a lot to pay for a mana ramp enchantment. Yeah, uh, Rona's a card. Rona is a card. That's interesting. I don't know what all where you'd have to put it and what you can do with it, but uh, that's already kind of becoming a deck in Pioneer. Maybe the slot's in there, because all the creatures that play is legendary, and then it gives you another way just to cast your spells um, to try to find your combo. I mean, I will say that if you put this on Rona, you know, every five mana or less legendary you cast will, you know, untap your Rona, which is pretty cool. You need a way to draw cards with it. And, but that that's an interesting thought. Like, it does go pretty well with Rona. Yeah. Uh, moving on. First off, I'd just like to say this before we go any farther. I've never seen a set with more three drops. Everything's two in a color. I feel like. Just wanted to throw that out there. Just the card you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Apparently. So it's every other card. Every other card. That's cost three. <laughs> Two and a green for a 3-3. Three, three. Nissa, Resurgent Animist. Legendary creature, Elf Scout. It has Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, add one mana of any color. Then if it, this is the second time this ability is resolved this turn, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an elf or elemental card. Put that card into your hand and the rest thing on the bottom in random order. Uh, this card's pretty interesting. Um, four color elementals is totally a deck in Pioneer. Or not Pioneer, but uh, Modern. And uh, it ramps you. Um, yeah, no, I think this card's secretly really strong um you go land or you play it on three you go fetch land fetch get your omnath or whatever five drop um yeah your risen reef and i'm sure they're in commander with some elves or some format with some elves you can also do cool stuff with this in fetch lands um but four color elementals is where i think this is going to see a home at Probably is like a two of. That's my guess. I don't know. I don't play that deck a whole lot. I saw Respect the Cat talking about it on Twitter today. Someone asked him about it. I don't think it's busted busted, but I do think it's good. Yeah, it doesn't put the card into play. Otherwise, it probably would be busted. But uh, the fact that it has specific creature types on it, uh, don't underestimate the ability to use that as a tutor effect. If you're only running one type of elemental, for example, the second land you play will always give it to you. That's actually kind of cool and important. Yeah, it, well, the interesting thing is, too, if you play a fetch land, like if you play this on three and then play a fetch land on four, uh, specifically in the elementals, you can just cast any elemental card. Like you could part cast it. Yeah, Not with a mana left over. With, uh, maybe. You'll have, you'll have six mana with a fetch land. Three Not mana that you four. use to. Yeah, you will. Three mana to, that you use to play Nissa. Uh, the land that you get from the fetch land is four. The fetch land coming into play is five. The land coming into play is six. It doesn't. Uh, does it do it like that? Yeah. Whenever a land oh, comes yeah, into play, you get the mana. It's yeah. it's only the second trigger that is a once per turn. Okay. Interesting. And and yeah. that first trigger is actually pretty cool too. For I mean, like one of my favorite commander decks is uh, 
you know, my Azusa deck, which <laughs> I mean, there's many turns that I put 10, 15 lands into play. Like this is a truckload of extra mana. Like I will certainly be putting that in my Azusa deck. And then I'll probably like find one large elemental to use as my tutor target with it. Yeah. No, this is uh, the This card's going to do things. I don't know quite what. Someone else is probably going to figure it out, but I think it's a new thing. So I'm pretty excited. This is on. A, this is probably top five cards for me in this set. Maybe even top three. Good. It's a three mana three three two. Like you're not really sacrificing any stats for the effect. No, I mean it's. I mean Lotus Cobra. So I'll play it one in a green as a two one. I mean, yep. granted that was a long time ago, but yeah. Uh, moving on. What do we got, Josh? Uh, open the way. X green green for a sorcery. X can't be greater than the number of players in the game. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X lands. Put them into play tapped and the rest on the bottom of your library. This, again, is a commander card. In two-player magic, it's three mana to get one land or four mana to get two two lands. Not that impressive. Uh, in commander... Uh, I also don't think it's that particularly impressive. Um, even if there's six players, you play six mana to get four lands. Like, that is pretty good. And notably, it's just lands, not land types or anything like that. But you also don't get to search. They just come off the top of your deck. So, it's a neat card. Um, I don't really foresee playing it too much. Uh, maybe in a deck that just has tons and tons of non-basics that I couldn't otherwise search out, I might use it almost think this is better in standard than in commander because uh, it's an explosive vegetations right yeah essentially kind of yeah um, that can put a couple non-basics into play if it needs to yep. and then I just think that effects better in standard than commander there's not a lot there's no rampant growth effects and there's no one mana elves in standard currently yep. also so. very notably uh, this card puts the cards back in a random order, so you can't even do some cheesy stuff where you run no lands in your deck, cast this for two, and then sort your deck order. That does not work with this card. Yeah, they took away all of our fun. I know. It, if only it said put them in any order, this card would be busted! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, it'd be, uh, what's that uh, card? In the, well, Goblin, uh, Goblin Char Charbelcher can do that. The Charbelcher, I'm the Goblin Charbelcher deck. Uh, they play a two and a green spell that does this, does that effect where they stack their deck essentially. Yep. Um, yeah. Moving on. What do you know? It's another three drop. It's a three three. Two and a green for a three three. Trank Tranquil Frillback. Say that again. It is Tranquil Frillback. <laughs> I'm flipping you off right now. You just can't see me. Uh, when it. it ETBs, you may pay green up to three times. When you pay this cost one or more times, choose up to that many. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. Exile target player's graveyard. You gain four life. Uh, this card's pretty neat. Uh, it's the first time I read it. It does a lot of stuff. It's kind of versatile. Uh, four mana for a 3-3 three, three that destroys an artifact or enchantment could be relevant. It's graveyard hate. Um, Invasion of Ikoria is a card. Like, this is a tutorable thing in a standard deck, maybe. I don't know if it sees play outside of standard. Maybe Pioneer? Probably not. Maybe? Yeah, it feels like another commander card to me. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I don't think it's that good of a commander card. 
I mean, uh, versatility in Commander is big. Having a green card that can blow up artifacts and enchantments isn't special, but having one that can do that or eat a graveyard when needed is kind of neat. Or do both, even, if needed. Yeah, that's fair. Um, That's all for that. We'll keep yeah. it going. Undercity Upheaval is one green green for a sorcery, and it has Undergrowth distribute X-1-1 counters among any number of target creatures you control where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard as you cast a spell. Creatures you control gain Vigilance till end of turn. Undergrowth was a mechanic in, uh, I believe, Return to Ravnica, uh, and it, it all the things counted the number of creatures in your graveyard, which is why this one does that. Uh, this is an overgrowth style effect. Now, it is pretty neat that it is only at three because most of those cost four, five, six, seven. Um, so this one's a fairly cheap one. Uh, notably, it doesn't give trample, though. Um, but it does give permanent bonuses. Uh, plus one, plus one counters is certainly a theme in green. I don't see this card really doing anything uh, anywhere. It, it'll be a card that maybe you play in a very, very heavy plus one, plus one counters matters deck in non-competitive magic. Agreed. Uh, we're on to multicolored now. We're going to start off with Calyx, Guided by Fate. Um, How much mana does this one cost? It's one green and a white. Three it's mana. Three. Yeah, weird. For a 2-2, Legendary Enchantment Creature Human Druid. As consolation, when Calyx, uh Guided by Fate or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creatures so what do you know it's a three three um when calyx or an enchanted or an enchanted creature you control deals combat damage to a player you may create a token that's a copy of a non-legendary enchantment you control do this only once each turn obviously this is made for commander um this and the card that's directly blow it have a very small chance of slotting in to the green white uh auras pioneer deck uh, maybe, probably not. That's all I got. It's a neat card. Uh, again, I would play this in a lot of Enchantress style decks in Commander. Um, other than that, unless there's some specific enchantment that copying it multiple times gets out of hand, I don't really see it being played either. The next card on the list is Campus Renovation. Three, a red and a white for a sorcery. Return up to one target artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to play. And then exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You can play those cards. Uh, neat card. Uh, reanimation for artifacts or enchantments can potentially be powerful. Getting things like a, a portal Phyrexia or something like that into play for, for cheap is really cool. Um, it also gives you a little bit of pseudo card draw, the red style card draw where you exile cards, and uh, you can play those for a couple of turns. Uh, I actually think this card is fine, and it might actually reinvigorate the reanimate uh, portal deck in standard rather than the reanimate Atraxa deck. Um, it's a strong card. Yeah, I'm all about uh, reanimating some portal to Phyrexias, so... Maybe. Maybe this is a thing. Maybe also, I, I haven't really looked at large enchantments, but there might actually be some cool enchantments. Most of these types of effects are artifact, not enchantment. So there might be some sweet enchantments to you know, sneak into play, too. Yeah. Um, was there that blue one? That's like 12 mana. 
you can look at the top card of your library or something. That's ten man, I think. One with the multiverse, I think you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I would have to actually go through and look. There, there. This might actually be better than uh, than it even looks because there might be multiple hits that you can sucker into play. Granted, it's all going to be fueled off of cards like Fable, which you know run rampant everywhere right now. But hey, it's a different kind of Fable deck at least. Yeah. Uh, plus, Fable Mirrorbreaker is like one of my favorite cards. Just put it in everything. Uh, moving on, we have Cosmic Rebirth. One green and a white for an instant. Choose target permanent card in your graveyard. If it has mana value three or less, you may put it onto the battlefield. If you don't put it onto the battlefield, put it into your hand, you gain three life. Hey, look, it cares about mana value three or less. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's my life. How was this not? There's like there's a very <laughs> limited theme here. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I think this card's cool. Like, I don't think past standard this thing sees play. Uh, it's an expensive regrowth that gains you three life a lot of the times. A bad regrowth, because it can only hit permanents. But you can combat trick a thing into play. Notably, and... most regrowth effects are not instant, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes this playable, but that is kind of cool. And you can put something in end of turn. It, like this is another one of those cards that kind of screws up the crackback math. Yeah. Um, well, it can also put a combo piece into play at end of turn that they thought they had dealt with. Right. I, I don't know which combo, but uh, that it, it has potential. It, it's not. It's not bad. I just don't know where it goes yet. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Keep your eye on it. It could be a thing. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know where. Instant speed really does make a big difference. The three life doesn't, but I mean, hey, it's on there. It's nice. Yeah. If it's free, it's free. Right. The uh, next card on the list is Danatha, New Benalia's Light. One a green and a white for a 2-2. Vigilance, Trample, and Lifelink. Once during each of your turns, you can cast an aura or equipment spell from your graveyard. Yeah. I don't know. I, cards like this, I'm I'm just not that thrilled with. Um, you can cast an aura from your graveyard, and there are some auras that have, like, you know, cantrips on them uh, or can self-sacrifice, things like that. Uh, but the fact that you can only do it once per turn really does limit how good this card could be. I don't see much for it. It does have a lot of abilities on it. It might make for a good Voltron commander because of the Vigilance Trample and Lifelink, you know, slap a bunch of auras or equips or both onto this thing and make it a giant killing machine. Maybe. I really think the green-white auras deck in Pioneer could play this card as some redundancy. Uh, you know, you answered my first dude that I played that was hooked up, or my, you know, maybe you answered my first two guys. I play this, and the interesting thing is Light Pause is a cast trigger. So you get something back from your graveyard, then you get something from your deck. Um, like, that still works there. So Maybe. Three mana is a lot for that deck, though. Yeah, I don't think it's like a four of. I can see being a two of. Maybe it's just a sideboard card for you know very heavy removal matchups, because they only play one hexproof creature. True. So, um, yeah, I think it could be something... Interestingly enough, you can recast, uh, reconfigure equipment. I don't know how that would be relevant. I'm trying to think if there's, I don't think there's any green 
Uh, Lion Sash. I mean, that's a card you can technically recast with this. You can, and there's like um, Rabbit Battery and um, uh, you know stuff like that that you know is cheap and has haste. But again, the once per turn really limits the combo ness of this card. You're kind of playing this card there. Yeah. Boo. Fair magic. Yeah, I know. That once per turn, they keep stacking on everything. Uh, it really ruins all the uh, degenerate combos I have in my head. Yeah. 30 years, they start, start finally started to figure it out. Uh, moving on. Feast of the Victorious Dead. Uh, you can't do this card. It doesn't cost three. I know. Our next, like, like uh, the rest of the cards on the page, no. I don't know what to do. It's a white and a black for an enchantment. It says at the beginning of your end step, if one or more creatures died this turn, you gain that much life and distribute that many plus one plus one counters among creatures you control. Um, if a sacrifice deck comes in standard, this I don't think this sees play. Uh, I mean, maybe nah. in a Mardu sacrifice deck. Not, uh, not, a, not with the at the beginning of your end step. Uh, like you can't even sack them when you want them to die. I mean, yeah, it's fair. Uh, but yeah, it's probably... I don't even know. This card's just not good. We can move on. Uh, Goldforged Thopteryx. Uh, blue and a white for a 1-3 flying lifelink. Artifact creature dinosaur thopter. Uh, and it says, each legendary permanent you control has Ward 2. This is, again, more of a commander thing. More of a... I'm going to protect all my guys thing. Who knows? Maybe it gets played in like Esper Legends or something to give all your uh, all their legends ward two. It is not legendary itself, so it does die to all the things they would have pointed at your legendaries. But I mean, hey, a lightning rod that eats up a removal spell and, you know, then they need another one for whatever they wanted to kill is still a good thing. Uh, I think the card's okay. Um, again, maybe it gets played in Esper Legends. Other than that, it's probably Commander. Yeah, like I could see this being Esper Legends or whatever Legends deck, you know, four or five color that keeps on coming out, uh, especially post rotation. It could be a thing there. Dinosaur Thopter is a sweet card type, though. For the it legend. is a sweet card type, and it's also an artifact. So you know, somewhere along the way, there may be a reason that that matters on the card. Yeah, uh, keeping it going, uh, we have Jarena, Dauntless General. It's a, also a black and a white for a 2-2. Legendary creature, human soldier. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard, and you can sacrifice it. Humans you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Uh, maybe the humans deck in Pioneer splashes black. I mean, it's not that hard to do. It wouldn't, I don't think it would hurt that mana base that bad to play this, and I think there's also a Lord from an older set. I'm not super sure. Um, besides that, it's definitely a commander thing. If you can build a Legends deck where it's about where humans matter, which I don't think super hard to do, where most of your Legends are humans, maybe that's a thing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hate piece. It does two different things. It's neat. It protects your army. We've seen effects like this before. Usually they're fairly decent. Well, there is one commander in particular that uh, this will go very, very well with, um, who also happens to be a human and who also happens to care very heavily about legendaries. Joda. Oh, yeah. 
that is a great add to a Jota deck, which already is heavy aggressive, uh, but it largely relies on you keeping Jota in play. This card helps you do that. And it's a two, which means it cascades off of, you know, a lot of the stuff in your deck. So this is a great card for the Jota deck. I'm sure some other decks will get some good use out of it too. Um, the black on it is going to make it very difficult to fit into some of the aggressive, you know, modern or pioneer, or, you know, legacy or whatever um, aggressive decks because, well, they're not running black in those decks for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this card for commander. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, we have the buy a box card, actually. Uh, Joel Rawl, voice of Zalfir, is two a green and a blue for a 3-3 legendary human druid. At the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target land you control becomes an XX green and blue bird with flying and haste until end of turn where X is the number of cards in your hand. Um, whenever a land creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Uh, so this is very clearly going to go into a green-blue make-your-lands-creatures-and-swing type deck. Um, on its own, it does turn one of your lands into um, a somewhat big, probably, flyer uh, that draws you a card every turn, which is really cool. Um, and it's only four mana for... Um, you know, a 3-3, three, three, which, you know, you're not paying too much for that cost. So I doubt this sees play by itself. It probably has to see play with, you know, other things that are turning your lands into creatures. Uh, Ren, you know, Ren and Realm Breaker, you know, the, those style of effects that are going to turn your guys into creatures. Uh, I don't think it's particularly amazing. It's going to be a fun build-around card, again, for Commander. I don't see it being that good in in standard but i don't know maybe there's maybe there's a deck that can keep its hand size very high and so you're making six six and seven seven flyers like yeah i mean if you're swinging with a six six you know flyer every turn off of this card that does seem pretty good yeah yeah but I, it's low yeah not only that but it doesn't untap the land which means that most likely you're not getting to hit with the the turn that you play this card I'll let you play this on four, and I'll cast a Shieldred. Yeah, yeah. Shieldred, Shieldred seems a little better than this is at four. Yeah. Uh, moving on. The Kenrith's Royal Funeral. Two, a white, and a black for a legendary enchantment. It says when the Kenrith's Royal Funeral enters the battlefield, exile up to two target legendary creatures from your graveyard. You draw X cards, and you lose X life, where X is the greatest mana value among cards exiled this way. Legendary spells you cast cost one less for each card exiled with the Kenrith's Royal Funeral. Um, there may be a version in the future of some sort of Esper Legends Legends Matter deck, maybe post rotation, maybe before rotation. Um, like yeah, exile a Shieldred that you looted away with Rafine. And draw some cards, uh, refill your hand. I mean, it seems pretty solid. Cost four mana. That is a lot. Yeah, you get to play it right after Rafine, though, which is cool. I will yeah. say, never underestimate cost reduction ever. 
Right. And this potentially is two colorless cost reduction as many times as as you need. So there is a world where this thing is just flat busted. Uh, and the front side of it does draw you cards, which is good. But I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know where this thing goes yet. But it does say cost reduction on it. And that can always be scary somewhere. Maybe not now. Maybe it's five years from now. But yeah. Um, and like with the Rafine looting ability right now, um, having stuff to draw, you can, you know, you have two shielders, you have an extra Rafine, you get to draw three and lose three. Um, yeah, like I think there's something there. I don't know how much. I don't play that deck, but, and it's also legendary, so you can play it off of uh, Plaza of Heroes, which is pretty relevant in that deck with how mana hungry and greedy it is. Very true. What do we got next? Uh, we're moving on to Kiora, Sovereign of the Deep. She's three, a green and a blue for a four or five. So moderate size. Uh, Vigilance and Ward three, legendary Merfolk Noble. Uh, whenever you cast a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent from your hand, look at the top X cards of your library. Where X is that spell's mana value, you may cast a spell with mana value less than X from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Clearly, she is Octopus Tribal, and you will play hentai monsters in your deck and get more of them. Yes. I don't know what else needs to be said. That card's the best card in the set. Uh, you get to take extra turns with it, too. So you just play extra turn spells, cast big stuff. Don't be that guy. You saw my commander deck. Don't, don't, don't take extra turns in commander. That's, that, that is how I win the game with my commander deck. That is okay, if, if you take extra turns and win on the spot, it's okay. If you take extra okay. turns and dirtle around, I hate you. <laughs> oh, uh, moving on, Nahiri Forged in Fury. Four, a red, and a white for a 5-4. It has affinity for equipment. It costs a less for each equipment you control. Whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. You may cast equipment spells this way without paying their mana cost. Um, It's a cool commander card. If there's a way you can manipulate the top of your deck, there's probably some pretty sweet stuff you can do. Sure, there's some giant equipment you can put into play. And then uh, I don't think something. you need to manipulate the top of your deck. There's so many equips that come into play attached to a creature already with the uh, living weapon and uh, for Mirrodin Fair. stuff. Like you can fill your deck with equipment now and still have lots of creatures to have them equipped to. So like she'll be a cool commander, but again, she looks purely commander. Yeah, they never like one day they'll do Nahiri right. One day, I think we're gonna have a big Nahiri moment in the future. Uh, the last lines of the newest story that came out, she was like, I'm gonna protect Zendikar and I'm gonna make sure a planeswalker never comes here again. So, it they left it kind of hanging like there's gonna be something there. So, moving on. What do we got? Uh, the next I'm one is about... another Nahiri's card. I'm excited about this one. Nahiri's Resolve. Three, a white and a red. Enchantment. Creatures you control have 1-0 in haste. And at the beginning, you're up step, end step. Um, exile any number of non-token artifacts or creatures you control and flicker them. Uh, they come back at the beginning of your next upkeep. So 
expensive enchantment, but big effect. 1-0 in haste is is really big, but not not so much the 1-0, but the haste is is pretty huge. And the fact that you can flicker as much stuff as you want every turn is really cool. Um, and it's different from a lot of the flicker effects. They don't come right back. They last until your upkeep, which kind of makes you immune to sorcery speed removal on things that you don't want to die as well. This comes down roughly the same turn board wipes comes down. Yeah. In uh, standard right now. So uh, I do like this card. I think if there's an aggressive red, maybe a red splash white deck, I think to see some play in a sideboard at some point. Um, I think this is a constructive playable card. I'm sure there's cute flicker stuff you can do with it as well. But I think... Oh yeah, you, your deck's going to be filled with stuff you can flicker for value for sure. Right. I, I just also think there's a... I need the control deck to not be able to board wipe me. Well, don't forget, too, that Farewell does, you know, kill enchantments as well. So uh, it, it's going to be good against it because they have to have two, but they might right. be able to eat this with the first one and then board wipe you after. Uh, that's fair. But it is a really cool card, and it does protect against board wipes very well. Yeah. It also lets you hit artifacts, which is not blank. Like, there are definitely artifacts with ETBs. Uh, that you'd like to get back. For example, this, you know, could flicker a uh, portal to Phyrexia. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. Would por I don't think you get portal Phyrexia's trigger, though. The oh, is that a cast trigger on that one? Oh, no, you wouldn't get the bring them back trigger. That's also at the beginning of your upkeep. Oh, that's... Well, yeah, but... Um... I mean, you, you get, would you, you would only flicker this when you need to clear their board. Um, that's fair. I guess you don't so, have like, to flicker it every you, time. So yeah, you could flicker the the portal. Oh, you you played more creatures. Let me flicker it again. Oh, you didn't play creatures. Okay, this turn I won't flicker it. Give me all your stuff. Uh, keeping it going, we have Narset Enlightened Exile. One blue and a red for a three four creatures you control have prowess. It's a legendary creature, human monk. Uh, whenever it attacks, exile target non-creature, non-land card with mana value less than Narset's power from a graveyard and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Um, this card's cool. I think that's pretty close to being a prowess deck. Uh, blue, red, or Jeskai tempo deck in standard. Maybe this is the top end there. Interestingly enough, uh, with it making a copy, uh, cards like Fable, just Exile. You can't flip tokens. Uh, something to remember there. If you bring back, uh, bring that back, you only get the first two chapters. Um, this and um, what's the blue red guy? We've been playing a bunch of uh, Iconoclast, Third Path Iconoclast. Yeah, these cards play pretty well together. It makes it another Monastery Mentor. Um. Also, and you can now prowess. have a triple prowess creature. Yeah, say prowess we now know uh, stacks. So I'm pretty sure this should stack with yeah, your other prowess will. creatures. Pro so. Prowess is an individual ability on a creature. It it will absolutely stack. So Yeah. And, and I mean it casts a spell for free every turn too, which is which is not nothing. I actually think this is a pretty good card. Uh it's a little tough because it is four and then it has to swing before you get the full effect but 
Uh, and also on four, it doesn't really do anything either because you probably don't have free spells to play to activate other prowess triggers. But it's powerful. Like, it's a strong card. And at four, it's probably in that realm where it could see competitive play. I think you're right. I think there could be a prowess deck that runs Iconoclast, maybe the Kenra, the prowess prowess creature, uh, Monastery Mentor in this, and then just a whole bunch of good spells. Like, yeah. I could see that being a deck and possibly being a pretty strong deck. I mean, giving all your creatures prowess when you have monastery tokens and iconoclast tokens, like the monastery tokens all have double prowess, the iconoclast tokens suddenly are bigger. I mean, casting one or two spells and then getting to attack with this and cast another spell, like that's like that's huge. That's big damage. Yeah. No, I mean it definitely if this sticks around, it's gonna end games and end games quickly. Yeah. Um and you know when you attack, if you have like a considered your graveyard that you cap that you copy, I mean it also pumps everything. So yeah, um, it's a good card. I agree. Next card on the list is Nashi, the Moon's Legacy. Uh, Sultai colors: black, green, blue. Uh, three, four with menace and ward one. It's a legendary rat shaman. Uh, when it attacks, exile. Up to one target legendary or rat card from your graveyard. Copy it. Cast it. Um, it's a rat, and it's awesome. It's also three mana for a 3-4 with Menace and Ward 1, which is, you know, a pretty good stat line. Yeah, uh, legendary dot deck is going to be a thing. I think that Esper Legends deck is going to open up to more colors. and Cards like this are going to fit in for some redundancy for sure. So, you know how you've been playing a bunch of Atraxa Reanimator, and I said that what you really need is one cheaper way to reanimate a Atraxa? Mm-hmm. Just oh, saying. You, you still have to cast, you still have to pay for the casting cost. Oh, do you? Oh, crap, man. Never mind. Yep. I take it this all back. Card, I hate this card. This card, card, isn't, card, isn't, this card isn't cracked in half. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought it was cracked in half. I didn't read that last part. Uh, yeah, no. But it is three mana for a three four menace ward one. I mean that that's still pretty good. Yeah, and every time it attacks, you can get something back from yeah, your graveyard. Yeah, value. Yeah, good card. Um, Niv Mizzet Supreme, uh, Wooberg for a five five. It has flying and hexproof from monocolored. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard that's exactly two colors has jump start. Uh, you may cast that card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs, then exile it. Um, it's a cool commander card. Man, like, the, I art, can't... the art's neat on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh... Like, Niv-Mizzet Reborn doesn't see play in Pioneer anymore. Omnath's kind of taking that role. This card's strictly worse. Yeah, I don't like this so. card. I think it's terrible. I wouldn't... I'd... I mean, I'd shove it in a dragon deck, maybe, but even like, then, I like the I like the jumpstart mechanic. If this came out when Strixhaven was legal, it would have been cool. There was a lot of all the uh, like Prismari Command and all those, yeah, um, that would have been good with it. But unless we get another two color set in the future, I don't see this being being anything special. It's too hard to cast, even if we get another two-color set. You're not going to want to be five colors to get value out of that. Hey, man. We just play your favorite card. 
Well, uh, Timeless Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you understood that. Uh, the next card on the list is Obnixilus, Captive Kingpin. Two, a black and red. It is a legendary creature demon. Four, three, Flying Trample. Whenever one or more opponents each lose exactly one life, put a plus one, plus one counter on Obnixilus, and then exile the top card of your library until the end of your next end step, not the end of your next turn, notably. You may play that card. This card's terrible. It probably won't get any play at all. Yeah, just the best card in the set. Uh, uh, so there, there is a card in uh, Phyrexia called All Will Be One. Uh, this card goes impotent with that card. They will both be standard legal. I really think that this is going to be very heavily played. Yeah, let me... I'm pulling up All Will Be One so I can just read it. So uh, for the people at home that don't know what bad magic cards do. Well, oh. All Will Be One's probably a little bit known because it was already a combo with um, uh, the Quest for the Pure Flame um, from Zendikar in Modern, and it was a two-card win condition there. This is not quite as good as that, uh, but it's the same concept. It's it's nearly a two-card win condition where if your opponent cannot remove All Will Be One or Obnixilis, you win. Yeah, so I'll read all of you one. It's three red red for an enchantment. Whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, all will be one deals that much damage to target opponent, creature, and opponent controls, or planeswalker and opponent controls. Um, so essentially what you do is uh, you trigger it somehow by putting a counter on something, whether it's a planeswalker, um, or by using something like Onikul Anvil to deal one damage to your opponent. You trigger Obnixilis, it puts a plus one, plus one counter on it, which triggers All Will Be One, which deals one damage, which triggers Obnixilis. Uh, rinse, repeat, over and over again. Um, I think this is the best card in the set. Probably the most expensive card in the set. It's slowly starting Probably. to get more and more hyped. Um, and on top of that, uh, Red, Black, Sack, and Pioneer has been a deck on and off for quite some time now, and this gives that deck... Uh, a little oomph. Uh, this card does cool things with like Mayhem Devil. So, yeah. I like it. And it's Flample. It's been a while since I've played something with Flample. Yeah, it is probably going to be good. Um, keep your eyes on it. Uh, the price on it currently is about 10 bucks, and typically uh, cards go down after free release. This is one that may keep going up. If that deck uh, is as good as I think it will be, and, and it can be built a lot of different ways, uh, this has some pretty high potential. The biggest issue with it, I think, is outside of Arena, for the rest of the standard format, there's not a reason for people to pay attention to standard. So that's probably going to be the only thing that keeps the price down. That didn't um, keep the price of Meat Hook Massacre down. That card's still really expensive, though. Yeah, I know, but that—that's what I'm saying. Like that didn't keep the price of uh, Meat Hook Massacre down when very few people were playing Standard, and it was the best card in Standard, and that price got absolutely nut nutty. That's fair. I, I I think this card is got potential to be very pricey, and if you're interested in trying out that deck or just this, like this card in general, I I would advise you to pick up copies sooner rather than later. Agreed. Uh, moving on. PNLR. 
Council of Revival. Uh, it's uh, red and a white for a 2-3 legendary creature human artificer. Thopters you control have haste. Whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, create a 1-1 one, one colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying. I I don't got nothing. What do you mean? You got... This is the Ornithopter Plate Academy. Yeah, that's a Thopter, not an Ornithopter. We're zero ones. Ornithopter so is a Thopter, and it gives us haste. And that's fair. She does give us haste. We do appreciate that. Uh, no, triggering her ability. I don't know how. Whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, I mean, I can think of several ways to do it, none of which really fit into that deck. It's um, definitely a little odd. Uh, so th I believe what it's intended for is all of the red card draw that exiles your deck and lets you play mm. them. That's where you're supposed to get these 1-1 one -one tokens from. I don't think you're really going to get enough value um, from this card doing that but i don't know maybe if it makes one it's like a two mana three four yeah i I, mean, I don't know i i don't hate this card completely but i also if you like, play this on yeah. two and then you play there's i mean there's two of them in standard right now where you uh exile the top two yeah and then you play a land and then you play a one drop and both from exile i mean so this is like magical christmas land but then you're swinging for four Right? Yeah, so yeah. for four. Over three bodies. Meh. I mean, battles also get cast from exile. Yep, that's true. There's the, what is it, the, not the Dahiri, the Sahili from a couple sets ago that gives your artifact creatures plus one plus one or your Thopter creatures plus one plus one as its minus. Yeah. Yeah. It it might have some potential. Like it might be better than it looks at face value. Um, but it's kinda cool. Now now you can build your Thopter Tribal deck. That's what we're talking about. Um the next card on the list is Rebuild the City. It is three, a black, a red, and a green. So six mana for a sorcery. Choose a land, make three tokens that are copies of it, except they're also three three creatures uh with vigilance and menace. So it's six mana for nine power, which is pretty decent. It's split over three bodies. It's got Vigilance and Menace. That's pretty cool. Those lands, uh, they are still lands. Uh, notably, it doesn't give them haste, so this doesn't refund you three mana the turn you play it. Um, uh, or give you that attacking power immediately. You have to you know, play fairly and wait, wait a turn to attack with them. Uh, there's some neat things you can do with it. Like, you know, you, you could hit... Um, something like a you know uh, a maze of ith or something like that and get extra copies of uh utility lands in uh commander you can use this just for the uh big bonus damage you can play with this with something like Jolral, you know that says you get to draw a card when your lands hit them uh overall i think this card is kind of meh there's a lot better things i would want to be doing for six mana in most of the places i would think about playing this card uh, I just, I'm obligated to say this because I saw this on Twitter from a couple of people where they're like, hey, you could target Lotus Field. And then they have Hexproof. 
Uh-huh. And you have a bunch of Lotus Field. That's one way to sell except, Armageddon. <laughs> except, you know, uh, so when tokens come into play, uh, they still come in play as copies. So Lotus Field's uh, trigger still happens. Um, yeah, just so everyone's aware. You can't. I mean, you can. You just I mean, have to have a lot of other will, lands to play. You will have three Lotus Fields when you're done. You just won't have any other lands. <laughs> You might have three lotus fields. Yeah, you you might have three lotus fields. <laughs> uh yeah. I also for anybody who's like, sweet, I can use this on dark depths. Yeah, it doesn't work. They come into play, they get the ice counters. Even if it did work, you'd still only end up with one twenty twenty because it's legendary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. Uh moving on. My boy Rocco's back. Rocco Street Chef. Uh a red, green, and a white for a 2-4 legendary creature elf druid. At the beginning of your end step, each player exiles the top card of their library until your next end step. Each player may play the card they exiled this way. Whenever a player plays a land from exile or casts a spell from exile, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature and create a food token. Um, Flavor-wise, this card is super cool. This is kind Kadoosh. of a group... It's, it's kind of a group hug commander card. Uh, way not as cool as the first Rocco, though. Are we not going to talk about how you just said flavor-wise? Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm funny without being funny. Uh, yeah, this is a commander card. This that's all this is going to do. Yeah. You don't you don't want to? Hey, you can exile a card, and I can exile a card, and we can both play them in one v one games. So. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look that interesting to me, even in Commander. I, I've never been a fan of... like th This card's so underwhelming in what it does. Yeah. Agreed. It gives you like bad card draw. It gives you a little bit of benefit when your opponents use that bad card draw. You get some food tokens, which aren't treasure tokens. You get some 1-1 one -one counters. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just play the other Rocco in Food Chain. And you'll be fine. Yeah, there you go. Uh, next up on the list is Samut, Vizier of Nactamoon. One red and a green for a 2-3 for strike, vigilance, and haste. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, if it entered play this turn, draw a card. I like this card. I think it's kind of neat. It's three mana for a 2-3 for strike, vigilance, haste. That is probably going to draw you a card the turn you play it. Like that is an okay rate, and then of course you're going to be filling your deck with things that are also going to be triggering that effect. Like this could be the backbone of a good aggro deck. Um, one of the problems with uh, those style of aggro decks is a lot of the time they run out of steam. You know, they play against another deck that has removal or has creatures, and they just run out of stuff. This gives you stuff. I, I kind of like this card. Yeah, the mono red deck's been really close to splashing green for some of the plus one plus one counter synergy that comes from the Kamigawa sets. I um, mean, some of them have. They've just become green red, and a lot of people played around with this, and I think this might be the final piece of that puzzle uh, to put that together for a standard deck. Yeah, you also have cards like the uh, the Phoenix that has haste that, you know, cost one, like that comes down, draws your card. Like, that card's a lot better when it says draw a card. So way better when it says draw a card. Like I, I think this could be um, a very playable card. Yeah. Uh, speaking of playable cards, I like the next one. Uh, Sarkon, Soul of Flame, 
One blue red for a 2-4 legendary creature human shaman. Dragon spells you cast cost one less. And whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you may have Sarkon's Soul of Flame become a copy of it until your next end of next turn, except its name is Sarkon's Soul of Flame and it's legendary additions to its other types. Um, so the first cool thing is historically, there's been a lot of very good five drop uh, dragons in Magic's history. Um, and so to and usually they're four fours and they have hastes and other abilities. Uh what is it like Thundering Hellkite? Is that the right card? A Thundering Hellkite, yeah. Um is that the one that deals damage when it attacks? Uh Thundering Hellkite I believe is the five mana one. Yeah, so Thundering Hellkite It is five um, mana and it deals one to your opponent's flyers and taps their creatures. Uh yeah. So you get to attack Thund for eight. Thunder Maw. Sorry. Thunder, Thunder Maw. Maw. Yeah, Thunder Maw Hellkite. I was almost there. Uh, so you get to reduce its cost by one. You get to swing in for uh, eight there. Uh, deal two damage to all their flyers. Tap them down. Yeah, I like this card. Um, what's the one from last standard that makes treasure tokens? Um, Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, that's call time. Yeah, Goldspan Dragon, uh, like and a Pioneer deck. Maybe that's a thing because you get to cast on four, swing for eight, make two treasure tokens. I don't know. There's potential. Well, don't and... forget we got a bunch of dragon support in the most recent set, March. Um, we had um, the Jeskai Dragon that was in there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the Invasion, which flips into. A dragon that uh, does direct damage when it attacks, like copying that with Sarkin, is uh, uh, pretty sweet. Um, if you can flip that before combat, anyways. Uh, but yeah, like if the dragon deck is going to be good, this is probably going to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then there's a lot of people that like dragons, so I'm sure this will be either a commander or in the 99 of a lot of dragon commander decks. Yeah. There's also the dragon legends from uh, Kamigawa, which all of them are fairly good. And this gets to copy one of those. Now, granted those have um, uh, die triggers, but I mean, it gives you another large dragon that, you know, they don't really want to block. Yeah. Um, and I think the cost reduction is definitely a thing that people might sleep on. I mean, so. this 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 curves three mana into a five mana dragon. That's well, kind of like two five mana dragons with Sarkin. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah. The next card is Sigarda, Font of Blessings, two a green and a white for a four four flyer. So pretty good rate there. Like four mana four four flyer is decent. Other permanents you control have hexproof. That's really cool. You can look at the top card of your library at any time. Underrated. I like it. And then you can cast Angels and Humans from the top of your library. Awesome. I like this card. I think it's really, really good. I don't know if green-white is the right colors. I know it's the color that Sigarda belongs in. Um, but it might actually make uh, the Angels deck, you know, go green a little bit just to, to get this in here. Like, it's, like, all of its abilities are really strong. Its stat line is good. No, the, uh, the Angels deck already is green. And Pioneer? Are they? And yeah, collecting companies a card. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, that, that's the downside. It's not headed by Collective Company. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really solid. And outside of all that other text, if you just uh, just did like a four or five color legendary deck card, like this is a fine card to give all your other stuff X-proof. It has to be answered first. Um, it might see play there. I think this card will see play. I think this card will see... Uh, I don't think it's going to be like a game changer, but I think this card sees play in standard. It's probably going to see play in pioneer. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, moving on, Tyvar the Bellicose, a two, black and a green for a five-four legendary creature elf warrior. Whenever one or more elves you control attack, they gain death touch until end of turn. Each creature you control has whenever a mana ability of this creature resolves, put a number of 1-1 counters on it equal to the amount of mana this creature produced. This ability triggers only each one's turn. Marwin. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a really weird line of text. Uh, I'll let you talk about this one. <laughs> uh, well, A, this combos insanely well with Marwin. Uh, Marwin taps to uh, add mana equals the number of plus one plus one counters on it. Mm. So every time you tap Marwin, you're going to double its mana production. If you have any way to untap Marwin, um, you can go from generating three mana to six mana. And, you know, if that, if you go another turn, you're generating six mana, then 12 mana. Like, holy crap, this goes absolutely nuts with that. Uh, giving your elves uh, death touch when they attack is really cool because most elf decks are going to generate a horde of elves and, you know, not all of them are necessarily going to be large. So this makes them a royal pain to block. Um, and it also just incidentally makes your other mana dorks, your Landwire Elves and your Binhorn Elves and your Elvish Mystics, um, get bigger just by doing what they already do. This is 100% going to be a very popular uh, commander. Um, absolutely, for sure, is going to see a lot of commander play just because Elf Tribal is popular. This is a great Elf commander. It does all the things that you want. It's good. As for anything other than Commander, I don't know where you're playing this. There might be some sort of combo um, where his second ability is relevant. Yeah, it, it says only once each turn, so lame. But uh, Well, if it wasn't once each turn, then it would just, you know, be yet another infinite combo with Marwin. Yeah, fair enough. Um... Not yeah, that there no. aren't enough of those already. Uh, oh, plus it would be with Devoted Druid, right? Uh, yeah, tap a, tap a Devoted it, Druid. You know, tap. Eat it, yeah. tap it, eat it, tap it. Yeah, that, that would be disgusting in um, everything modern and forward. Uh, yeah. And but, like, in Commander, like, it does make Devoted Druid just permanently always... Yeah, tap it taps for two. Yeah. Uh so that's neat. Um moving on. Uh Karn. Legacy Reforged. It is five colorless for a star star artifact golem. 
uh, legendary. Uh, Karin's power and toughness are equal to the greatest mana value among permanents you control, or artifacts you control. So he's a 5-5 five five on his own, because he's an artifact. And then uh, he gets bigger if you have bigger artifacts. And he also has the um, uh, Blink Moth earn effect. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, add a colorless for each artifact you control. This mana uh, can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells until end of turn. You don't lose this mana as steps and bases end. So, uh, again, another ultra fun, powerful commander for those mono brown colorless commander decks. Um, I actually have several, uh, usually using cards like Kozilek, but I may switch it around for a Karn Legacy Reforge because getting a free Blink Moth urn means you are going to have a uh, of mana very fast. These also can get quite large. You know, you play like a Dark Steel Forge or something, and your your commander's a nine nine. That's not small. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely just a commander card, but it is a cool one, and it is cool to see Karn as a creature again. Out of all of them, I don't know why, but this one I think is the coolest to it's look at. It's only the second Karn creature. Yeah, the, the original Karn was a creature, and the most recent Karn is a creature. And last but not least, we only get one land in the set. Uh, it's Dranith Ruins. It taps and adds a colorless. Or you can pay two, tap it, put two plus one plus one counters on target non-human creature that entered the battlefield this turn. I don't know. I'm not that excited about this. I can't think of anything super cool to do with it. I'm sure there's something there. Maybe. Is there something there? Am I missing something? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like you're paying two mana to get two one one counters, which is cool. It's a good utility land. Um, you're paying, you're paying three that, mana, kind but of. But yeah, you're, yeah, you're right because you got to tap the land too. Um, it's a utility land, maybe in a deck that cares about counters that isn't human heavy and doesn't have a lot of color requirements. It's it's fine. Like I, I don't hate this land. I I could see playing it here and there. Um, I don't think it's an important piece to anything though. It's just another artifact or uh, another colorless land that does something. If it put a 1-1 counter on it, it would go in the Nexilis deck. Just saying. But it puts it, two. So, well, no, no, no. That, this, this works with, with Obnixilis, um, because you can put two 1-1 counters on it, which is... Um, uh, does, does all will be one trigger separately? No, all will be ones equal to the number of counters put on. Oh, uh, never mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, even then, I probably wouldn't play that in the in this and that deck. <laughs> I'm fair. I mean, maybe one of, I don't know. If, if it said tap, put a counter on a creature yeah, that came into play. The, like, then we're talking, but it, paying two mana for this effect is like, like when you have extra mana, it's cool, but I'm not, I don't want to go out of my way for this. For sure. I agree. Uh, so yeah, that's Aftermath. Uh, I'm slightly I don't think anything's busted, per se, outside of maybe the all-will-be-one combo and standard. Um, but there looks to be a lot of fun cards. A lot of things, this might actually shake up standard more than any other recent set. Um, but not in a broken way, necessarily. Um, I'm just excited to see how these cards slot in different places. So, And I'm kind of excited to see how this small set thing works. Um, to see if it does well or not, you know. Um, 
kudos to them for trying something different. Um, I imagine it made their lives easier because they didn't have to design around a limited format and worry about stuff like that. So uh, we will see. You got any last thoughts on the set? No, I mean, there's a lot of cards in this set that I'm excited for in Commander. Um, and there's a handful of cards in this set I'm excited about in Standard. There's not much beyond that that I really think is cool. But somebody smarter than me some, somewhere will prove me wrong. And, you know, like a card like uh, uh, that reanimation uh, campus renovation. Mm-hmm. Something like that will out of nowhere be the best card in the set, you know. Yeah, aspiring spike will do something surprise us all. Well, I mean, he he's going to make a deck around like seven, you know, seventy percent of the cards in the set. So, yeah. and he will five zero with half of them, and he will be the only person to. Yes, and then you'll play the deck and be like, "What the hell is going on? Why why am I losing all my games? <laughs> How did you win games at Magic? Uh, what card are you most excited for? Do you think? I mean, the the obvious one is Obnixilis. I I have always been a fan of um, easy two-card combos, uh, and this is very Splinter Twin-esque in in how easy it looks to be to put together and put into otherwise good shells. Uh, If you're talking about the cards that I'm going to look forward to playing the most, I really like Karn. I really like Samet. Samet looks like he's going to be a lot of fun. uh, Narset is a neat card too, and I kind of like that one. Uh, Reckless handling, I, I love tutors, so that that's going to definitely be one. Um, and filter out is a card that I will find ways to use. And of course, training grounds has always been a fun card. So, but that's a reprint, so I don't really count that one. Yeah, I'm super. Uh, I'm pretty excited for this new Nissa. I think it's going to do things. Um. Like, I just think it's going to be really good in four color. Maybe I'm wrong, but... It's another Lotus Cobra, and it's got extra text on it. I mean, it does cost more, but, you know, yeah, adding yeah, mana yeah. when lands come to play is, is a thing. Right, when it's a Lotus Cobra that draws you fury, solitude, Risen Reef, mm-hmm. or... Uh, Omnath. Every, every time. And that's if you play Risen Reef. A lot of decks don't, you know what I mean? Like... Uh, and so a lot of times this is going to hit one of the best cards you want. So, yeah, I think, uh, some cool stuff's going to happen. So that's the one I'm probably the most excited for. I'm also pretty stoked for, uh, Sarkin. I really want a dragon's deck to be a thing in standard. Um, I need to, I like invasion of Tarkir. And I just like it when like cool tribal, like kitchen table tribes, like I'm going to play my dragon's deck. Like, when that's, like, actually a thing, I just think that's super cool. So. Um, but, yeah. You can... Uh, that's all we got today, guys. This has been a little bit longer episode than I expected. Apparently, when you talk about 50 cards, and none of them are just, like, bad draft cards, um, the episode takes a while. I appreciate you guys sticking it out with us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Play to Your Outs. You can find the show at TOFA Podcast. You can find uh, the TC or the TCG Player Store. Go to find a seller. It's TOFA Enterprises. 
Um, Josh still hasn't learned the ways of the Twitter yet. Did we get a profile picture? Have we progressed? There's a bird on it. That that came with it? Yeah. Okay. Well, we got to get him back to the retirement home, folks. So... <laughs> Uh, anyways, it's been great, guys. We're excited. Uh, make sure you comment, leave a message, uh, send us an email, tofapodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what cards you're excited for. Tell us if you're excited about this set, if you hate this set. And if nothing else, we'll talk to you guys next week.